Deck the halls with craptastic rad swag. Available in the stupid store at radradio.com. We were talking uh, during uh, Jokes from the Maggots about uh, tomorrow being another Radder Day. It's tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Uh, we will be live, uh, commercial-free and uncensored. You can watch it on Rad TV. You can listen on the membership site, members.radradio.com. It'll live there forever uh, afterwards. I was just uh, grabbed all my... What I do for the for the, the Radder Day shows, I gather up topics where I go, that would be better on a Radder Day. It's obviously visual things so that we use Rad TV, but also things that it, we don't have to be... We don't have to curse every word or be disgusting, but they're easier to talk about on Ratterday because they're all uncensored. <laughs> so, so I was just going through and grabbing, seeing what grabs me. So I think we're going to talk about uh, mood killers in the bedroom. Like you're ready to go, and then something happens, and you're like, oh, oh, yeah. ne- never mind. Okay, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> um, uh, uh, urinal horror stories from men. Uh, okay. What could go wrong in a urinal? Well, I think well, you know so many. Yeah, things. and uh, I think it's more like <laughs> awkward things. You know, like maybe. Oh. Uh, hey, how you doing? Okay. What's awkward about that? Uh, we uh, we're going to talk about the, the explosion. In popularity for sex toys for men this year, uh, we have oh we have this woman. My boyfriend exposed this disgusting habit after three months of living together. The red flag I ignored. Wait till you hear this. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, uh, the uh, most popular cartoon characters that we fantasize about having sex with. That'll all be tomorrow morning on uh, the uh, Raderday Show on Rad TV at members.radradio.com. Perfect time to go to Sin City and Las Vegas with Steve Mickelson live from MixPicks.com. Two K's in Mix, two K's in Picks. And we do the Mix Picks podcast every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. on Rad TV as well. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. We have a, a few off-the-field, uh, not-so-sporty uh, stories to actually get us started, Steve. Since its inception in 1954, Sports Illustrated has presented the Sports Person of the Year. Originally correctly called the Sportsman of the Year, but oh, you know. uh, now it's very important to the discussion. The Sports Person of the Year goes to this is according to Sports Illustrated quote: the athlete or team whose performance that year most embodies the spirit of sportsmanship and achievement. So it wasn't a surprise in 2022, right after Golden State won their fourth title in eight years, Steph Curry was Sports Person of the Year. The year before that, after he won his final Super Bowl, Tom Brady was the sports person of the year. Makes sense. You've won your championship, et cetera. Yeah. You wouldn't usually think that somebody affiliated or associated with a team that lost its last six games of the season, finished 1-8 and eight in its conference, and uh, overall started big and then lost everything would be your sports person of the year. This was the narrative yesterday on, on, on ESPN and a lot of other places we all know the, the reason that they picked this person. It's to sell, to sell clicks, to sell magazines. It's money. The media is a business. And for that reason, it's the right choice. How do you feel about the sports person of the year, Steve, being Deion Sanders? Yeah, I have a hard time with that one. Yes, he brought a lot of attention to Colorado University. He was a wonderful story for about a month. And then it kind of fizzled out as they finished the season one and seven. They won four games on the on the year, uh, you know, to me, it, 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 I just look at who was a model citizen who helped lead their team or what team took America, you know, by storm and everyone supported it. It was a wonderful story. And it was with Dion for about a month. But then after that, I mean, you got to continue that through a long haul and, 
you know, his was a quick five minutes of fame. Not that he's not famous. I mean, he's Dion, he's prime time. But, you know, that Colorado story was like four weeks out of 52 for the whole year. The Sports Illustrated screws themselves with their definition. If they were using a definition similar to time for their, their person of the year, where it's the most influential person or history-making, you could make a case that Dion, Dion was the most influential person in sports this year, not only with the attention he got, but the way he's changed forever. You and I think, Steve, how everything's going to work in college football with the portal. But that's not their definition. So... Do you have a sports person of the year by their definition? Do you have somebody that jumps out for achievement um, and sportsmanship? I, I can't pick one at the moment. And going back to how college football, Dion has changed it, we're watching coaches now come out and say, look, to get a top-notch quarterback in college football now, you're talking one, one and a half, two million dollars a year to get a top-notch quarterback. So we're already seeing the effects of Deion Sanders in college football and as you said for changing a sport influential what he did it, it's he really has transitioned college football that they're even talking about you know how much it costs to put a team together in order to win now in college football but I, I don't have one offhand I'd have to really sit down and and think about it yeah I mean I, I and I wonder too other than what the aforementioned obvious selling magazines getting people to go to the website I wonder if one of the reasons they landed on Dion was they all sat around and said we don't really have anybody else that really uh, <laughs> sticks out we're not we're not sure um, all right here's another one it's off the field but on the field uh, for for years Steve the NFL has been called by a lot of sports fans the no fun league because of how restrictive they can be or, or concerns about player safety or or for you know not letting players dance or celebrate or things like that. Uh, way back on October 15th, during the Miami Dolphins win against the Carolina Panthers, Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill scored a touchdown. And he then and so he's in the end zone. And if we were watching live, he ran over, you see he, he goes to a guy who's on the field, he's got press credentials, and he's just using his cell phone to record things. And uh, Tyreek Hill asks for his phone, the guy gives him his phone, and he, he, he takes, the, he, he takes the, the, the phone from him, and he does a, a, a selfie, and he does a somersault. He flips while he's holding the phone. Wow. Okay? And so, so now this guy, this photographer, has a, a, a recording of t- a first of a Tyreek Hill identifying himself and then holding the phone as he does a somersault. The whole thing Whoa. went viral. Cool. Um, and so he immediately, the photographer, uh, said, he says it was the coolest moment ever. I ran into the tunnel to send the clip to the NFL like, no one else is going to have this because yeah. he works for the NFL. The NFL pays people to, to stand on the sidelines just with cell phones because the quality is great to capture moments like this. Um, his name is Kevin Fitzgibbons. He's from the University of Miami. He's a student there. He was on the sidelines, and he already had a friendship with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill knows him. You know, they're on the field. Like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Tyreek Hill saw him standing on the sidelines after scoring the touchdown, grabbed his phone, did the backflip. The team did receive a 15-yard penalty for excessive celebration. That's just that's part of the no-fun league rule. And now the NFL has suspended the videographer indefinitely. He's done for this season. What? Uh-oh. He will not be allowed back on the field due to, quote, multiple violations of NFL policy because he was involved with an on-field touchdown celebration. This feels like no fun Whoa, league to me, Steve. But I mean, mean, rules are rules. But I'm not. Nah, 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 nah. Wow. What do you think, Steve? Uh, I call BS on it. One, the NFL. I mean, if that's really the reason, you know, they mm. said multiple. Well, what are some of the other things? And maybe there's something oh. there. 
But you tell me one person that you know that would not have handed Tyreek Hill their cell phone. Right, you don't have to be his friend. Especially if you had a relationship. (laughs) I'd hand him my phone. I mean, everyone in the world would hand him the phone, and you're firing him because you think he was the one person who should, hey, nope, nope, you're not getting my phone. I'm not letting you be part of this celebration. Come on. And then how much hate mail would that person have gotten because they had figured out in today's day and age who it was and how come he didn't give them their phone and, it's just, it's a really bad look to the NFL. He's a college student. We all would have done it. Come on, give me a break. Well, and you said he works for them. That's what yeah. he's supposed to do yeah. is catch well, but things he, happening. But he has to follow the rules. And like Steve said, there might be other things in there. And if so, let, but let's just take it. It, it. They did say multiple rules violations, and they don't have to tell us anything. If if the But the one they cited was that he was involved with an on-field touchdown celebration. That's a stretch. That that, Very that, much that, so. that any but the only shining light in this is that Tyreek Hill did confirm yes we're friends and I'm going to pay his salary for the year. That's uh, cool. Nice. Oh, that is super oh, yeah. nice. When Steve says, "Who on earth wouldn't give their phone to this guy?" Me, I don't know who he is. <laughs> you wouldn't be on the field. <laughs> uh, all right, Steve. We got some big on the field stuff uh, this uh, weekend. Uh, if college football, this is huge. Your your Michigans uh, are your Michigans. The, Miss, your Michigan uh, is at Iowa. If, if Michigan somehow loses the number two uh, in the country, that would send the college football playoffs just spinning. Same if Florida State, number four ranked, wins, because then does, does the committee possibly put a team without their quarterback into the playoffs? And if they don't, how do they defend it? Number 18, Oklahoma State at number seven, Texas. The two big ones, though, Steve. Let's start with tonight. Number five, Oregon. Remember, the top four are supposed to go to the playoff. It's the official CFP. This is a big one. Number five, Oregon, is at number three, Washington. And Oregon right now is a 10-point favorite. Now, keep in mind, this is on a neutral field, and Washington is ranked number three, and Oregon is ranked number five. The winner of this game wins the Pac-12 championship and should advance to the college football playoffs. These two teams met back in October in Washington as the Huskies won the game 36-33 as the Ducks missed a field goal, like I believe the last play of the game that would have tied the score and sent it into overtime. Both quarterbacks are having great seasons, and both should be drafted in the first or second round of this upcoming draft. Washington's quarterback, though, in my opinion, is better, and the Huskies' offense is more explosive. But I do feel that Oregon has a much more talented team. I like Oregon to win this game, but I like Washington plus the point. And obviously, if Oregon wins, Washington is out of the discussion, and it becomes a question of where does Oregon fit into the college football playoff system, correct? Correct. But I have a hard time believing if Washington is knocked out. They have to put Oregon in. Their only loss was to Washington in Washington missing a field goal late in the game. And then the big game that could really, really send heads spinning is uh, tomorrow at 1 o'clock on CBS. Number one, Georgia, at number eight, and money-making behemoth, huge fan-following Alabama. Alabama! Right now, Georgia is a five-point favorite. Georgia with the win will be the number one seed in the college playoffs. Alabama with the win will need some help which is why we're already hearing from head coach Nick Saban that the college playoffs without an SEC team would be disrespectful. He's already working on getting Alabama into the playoffs should they upset Georgia. Georgia's last loss was the 2021 SEC championship game 
to Alabama. While Alabama has won 10 straight after their early season loss to Texas, Jalen Monroe is the tied quarterback after being benched early in the season. He is a dual threat at quarterback. Quarterback Carson Beck leads a balanced offense for Georgia, but Georgia really is the better team. And Alabama, if they win this game, even though they beat number one, they're ranked eighth in the in the polls right now. So that's a steep step to get there, even if they knock Georgia off. And we dove deep into that on this week's podcast. Uh, Dawn's husband, Gary, was a guest. Hey, and uh, we talked about the politics of it, it's not as simple for non-college fans to, to understand it, it, as math. There's so much politics and the committee sitting there going, yeah, but it's Alabama. They're so huge. We've got to find a way. So uh, that's us up and available, not only on the membership site, but on all podcasting. Forums. Let's jump to the NFL last night's game, Steve. Thursday night football. Uh, Cowboys beat the Seahawks. We can talk about that a little bit, but first, we got a few emails like this one from Adam. Hey, Adam. Says, Rob and Steve, I am not a conspiracy theorist, but while watching the Thursday night football game last night, I could not help but sit there and say out loud, the refs are in it for the Cowboys. The refs gave the Cowboys three first downs by penalties when it was third and long. It was a great game, tarnished by 252 penalty yards. There were 19 total penalties, Steve. Ten went to Seattle. Nine went to Dallas. People that are complaining say, yeah, but the big ones, the wrong ones, went against Seattle. Even Al Michaels, in my opinion, the greatest broadcaster of all time, midway through the third quarter, when the fifth penalty against Seattle in that drive, and the 18th overall, he lost his cool for Al Michaels. He was completely <laughs> exasperated. He said, we're just going to take the rest of the night off and let Cleet Blakeman call the game. He's the ref. Whoa. Fans were quick to comment on Michaels' wit uh, on, uh, on, on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and other frustration at the officials was echoed by prominent voices in the NFL world. ESPN analyst Mina Kimes wrote, refs ruining what had been a sensational game. Richard Sherman, the analyst for Prime, said at some point the flags have to stop. Two-time Super Bowl champion LaShawn McCoy said the refs are playing for Dallas. Let the teams play. Even Seattle Seahawks coach Pete Carroll voiced his candid displeasure with the officiating in his team's 41-35 loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Did you see it that way as well? I did. Anytime you get 19 penalties, I think it was like 252 or 257 yards and penalties. It becomes tough. But this is, you know, where we got into our discussion. Okay, let them play and let's not call the penalties. But then there is a blatant pass interference call that goes against, you know, that your team should have received. Hey, look, we should have got a first down there. We don't get it called. This is this is a great example of why I think we need to figure out how to bring some technology into the game because the sports betting has opened up everywhere. This is what it turns into. And do you really want the majority of your fans watching these games now all believing to some extent every game is fixed for the NFL? It is a big business, but you can't have your fans not believing the outcomes of these games. So the NFL to me has a huge problem. They have to address sooner than later. So uh, to the on the field antics that we did see going in the rub against the Dallas Cowboys, and you've made no, uh, you haven't hidden your opinion of this is that they, they haven't beaten a winning team. Well, uh, the Seahawks were six and five. Uh, there, there, there were some losers on ESPN. They're going, yeah, but they'll be six and six now that they lost. So they're not really a winning team. Well, they were a winning team when Dallas played them, but is Seattle, who what did they lost like three of their last four before that game? I think uh, are they are they a winning uh, winningest enough team that you're impressed, Steve, that the Cowboys beat them by less than a touchdown? Uh, yes and no. I, I mean, the Seahawks are 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 a good team. I'm not going to take anything away from them, 
but they are closer to that 500 team that we're seeing with their record. For me to be impressed with the Cowboys, they need to go out and beat a, a Chiefs team, an Eagles team, you know, even a Dolphins team, a Niners. They need to beat one of the top teams in the league to show that they belong with them. Again, they don't dictate their schedule. Mm-hmm. They got one more opportunity against the Eagles, and they need to go out and make a statement and beat the Eagles. There's... But if if they can't beat the Eagles, then you know you're back to they do play the Lions. That's another game there too. But they need to find out how to beat one of these teams that are going to be into the playoffs, not teams that do not make the playoffs. And we're in this weird vortex now where where Dallas Cowboy fans and San Francisco 49er fans have to do what we are genetically predisposed never to do, root for each other's teams. Uh-oh. The Cowboys will be rooting for the Niners on Sunday because they need the Eagles to drop by a game. And then the Niner fans the following weekend will be rooting for the Cowboys because the, the Niners will need the Eagles to drop one more game, and then the Niners will be the number one seed. And I don't know that I can do it for two whole weeks. <laughs> but we, we, will, we will talk about the biggest game of the week uh, in mere moments. Our picks in picks. Team Don, bitches. Cheats, bitches. Uh, from, uh, let's see, all the way through week 12, we uh, pick winners and losers in the NFL. Uh, no point spreads. And as uh, after last night, we all had the, the Cowboys. Uh, as we head into the full weekend of week 13, Steve Mickelson, professional gambler, is in first place <laughs> like of usual. Course. By only one game over Don. Yeah, I'm still a loser. Seven games over both Kyle and me. Ooh, big uh, and Brandon is back by 13 games. That's the most. <laughs> by the way, Steve Mickelson has 115 wins this season on the membership site. J-Dog is still in the lead with 127 wins. Whoa. And then uh, Mr. Mike and C-17 Hydro have 124 uh, wins. All right, the big games this weekend, Steve. Uh, let's go through it, and, and we can even explain why this is a big game after uh, one of these teams is written off. The other one was never believed to be real. It's totally different now. The Denver Broncos are at the Houston Texans. Right now, the Texans are a three-point favorite. The Broncos have really turned their season around as they've won five straight games. The big difference is the defense has been playing much better as they're giving up just 16 points per game during this win streak. Quarterback Russell Wilson has had a much better year as he's thrown for 20 touchdowns and only four interceptions for the seasons. The Texans lost a close game last week to the Jaguars, stopping their three-game win streak. Quarterback C.J. Stroud is so much fun to watch and will win the Rookie of the Year. Houston has struggled to run the ball for most of the season. It's going to be very interesting to see if they attempt to run the ball more as the Broncos have the worst run defense in the NFL. I like the Texans here to win. I think Denver uh, is going to take a step back and lose. And this could solely be for C.J. Stroud. Uh, Steve, Don, and I all have the Texans, the boys, in the other room. Brandon yeah. and Kyle have the Broncos winning the game. Yay! Yeah, let's go, ponies. <laughs> Next game. Oh, you know what, Steve? I, I, I promised I would ask this. Uh, on the pigskin picking panel, we always we go over how many games we have different than you because you're the king. And and you on, on the Falcons at the Jets, and I predicted what your answer was going to be, so I want to see how close I am. You're the only one who took the Jets at home to beat the Falcons. What is your reasoning for that? I like this spot. Well, one of the strong trends that I do follow is when a team at home is an underdog and the next week they go out on the road and they are a favorite. Mm -hmm. There's a reason they were a home dog and the Falcons were a home dog last week. They're out on the road of the Jets. Jets have a really strong defense. I'm not sold that Ritter is a very good quarterback 
And I think the Jets' defense can win this game. Tim Boyle just can't turn the ball over, just win the field position. And uh, I like the Jets to win the game outright. Even Don, who never retains anything that I say, (laughs) acknowledge with a nod. I mentioned the home team thing, and I mentioned the Jets' defense. Those were your rationales. All right, Steve, next big game. Your Detroit Lions are at the New Orleans Saints. Who that? Right now, the Lions are a four-point favorite. Detroit suffered an ugly loss on Thanksgiving Day to the Packers, but they've had extra time to prepare for this game and get back on track. Quarterback Jared Goff leads the offense that is second in the NFL in total yards. Detroit will need to clean up their offense as they have been a very turnover-prone team the past few games. The Lions' defense, though, has really struggled lately as they're giving up 31 points per game over their last three games. The Saints have lost two straight, yet are still tied for first place in their division, despite being only five and six. Terrible. They have really struggled in the red zone this year, as their conversion rate for touchdowns is near the bottom of the league. New Orleans' defensive front has struggled due to injury, as they were torched last week by a Falcons running game, which ran over their defense for over 220 yards. But I like the Lions here to rebound and get the win. And do you need, uh, as a fan, Steve, do you need to see a big win here? I just need a win. Just, just keep it rolling. Uh, everybody's got the Detroit Lions in that game. Uh, we're going to skip ahead to the Sunday night game. By the way, I mentioned earlier in the week on this show, and then I corrected why uh, my, I answered my own question uh, on the podcast. Uh, I, I said out loud, I, I can't believe they didn't flex the Niners-Eagles game to Sunday night, put it on in, in prime time. It turns out the way the contracts are written this year, the two major networks for the day games, uh, Fox and CBS, they can take one game on their schedule every week and say, you can't move this. They can protect it. And weeks ago, Fox said, we're not, we're not losing the Eagles-Niners. So that's why for Sunday night football, we're getting instead the uh, Kansas City Chiefs at the Green Bay Packers. Right now, the Chiefs are a six-point favorite. The Chiefs need to find a way to string a couple of wins together. They've been alternating wins with losses for the last several weeks. But we know this Chiefs team is a very good offense. The big difference this year is their defense is one of the top defenses in the NFL. The Packers, Jordan Love has had two really good games the last couple of weeks. But do keep in mind, they've played the Chargers and the Lions. Both teams' past defenses have not been very good. But the Packers are riding that two-game winning streak hard home as they've won three of their last four I just don't think the Packers are good enough to win this game. They also have some questions with injuries. Jair Alexander, their top cornerback, is questionable for this game. And both of their running backs, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, are also listed as questionable. If you can't run the ball at all against the Chiefs, it's going to be a long day because they're going to have to depend on Jordan Love to carry this offense through the air. And I just don't see that happening against the Chiefs. So I like the Chiefs to win this game. And I think the Chiefs could, they need to blow somebody out. They need a comfortable game, have a good second half to show people they really are as good as the record show. And it would be, it would be a shocking development in one of two ways if the Packers won this game. Either if the Packers like dominated the Chiefs and suddenly we're going, whoa, maybe Jared Love, we should have, we should pay more attention. Um, or, is it that the that the Chiefs clearly show what a lot of us have felt the whole season? What you're alluding to, Steve, they're just not there. They're not they're not gelling like they they should. Which brings up the question: Why did everybody pick the Chiefs except Kyle? You okay? Oh! I was wondering because I'm thinking I'm like, did I mishear something? Because I think I looked at the the pigskin picks um, 
email incorrectly. I might have, because they know they show up a uh-huh. pair, uh-huh. I might have misread the line. Because uh-huh. when I'm thinking about that, I'm like, I think I picked the Packers, but I would never do it against the Chiefs. So if uh-huh. I can get an edit on that, that would be cool. No. Uh, no. Nope. Operator error. You can't. Uh, you should have yeah. asked them all. That's before. not fair, because that's not my true intentions. Oh, that's not fair. Oh, the true well, intentions. I mean, let me ask you, Brandon, because you, you actually handle the picks. Um, yeah. ha- does uh, anyone else, has anyone else had that problem habitually uh, all season long? Not habitually. It's happened in the past, but uh-huh. we just settle with it because once the picks are submitted, it's, yeah. it's done. But I, I, yeah, I just, I, I, don't, I didn't know. Mm. You know human yeah, error, that your intentions thing. don't matter. True. Um, <laughs> all right, Steve. <laughs> the game of the weekend uh, will be uh, Sunday uh, as the uh, 49ers are at the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Eagles sit at 10 and 1 and are the number one seed in the NFC on top of having the best record in the NFL. But yet the 49ers are a three point favorite on the road in Philadelphia. This to me is one of those games that you sit back and you look at it, and by records and everything we know, the Eagles should be the home team. But sometimes you see a point spread out there that you just look at and say, hmm. Somebody seems to know more than we do. And in this case, I think it shows how good of a team the 49ers are here. The 49ers riding a three-game win streak. The bright spot for me is we're seeing Brock Purdy actually stretch the field a little bit, get the ball down the field. They're going to need that against this Eagles team. The Eagles, though, all year, even though they're 10-1, and we've all sat back and watched it and go, their offense just really isn't in sync like we've seen in the past. And there are some injuries here, and I don't know how serious they are, but Julio Jones, wide receiver, and A.J. Brown are both listed as questionable. Dallas Goddard, their tight end, is also listed as questionable. If they're not healthy at the wide receivers and the tight end position, this could be a long day for this Eagles offense. I like the 49ers. I think they need to send a statement that they really are the best team in the NFL. And if they go in and get blown out by the Eagles, you're going to have to sit back and really adjust what the thoughts are on the 49ers. So to me, this is a much bigger game for the Niners than the Eagles. And the and the the super duper dream for the Niners side is that they not only go into Philadelphia, but they win handily. They 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 make a statement not just by beating the Eagles, but by beating them badly. And we did discuss on the podcast something you and I have joked about over the years. Your theory about West Coast teams traveling all across the country and the time change. And you have a, a perfect answer for why you're not even thinking about that for this game. Oh, absolutely. They they. Move this game to 125, so it's no longer the East Coast game with the early start. Fits in nicely for the 49ers, and, and I expect the 49ers. I can tell you right now, the Niners are one of the, the games that I like this weekend. They're, they're, the, their body clocks don't have to adjust at all. They're already in Philadelphia as late as you know tomorrow, tonight or whatever, and then they're playing at the, the time they usually would, and the game is at 1.30 because it's the biggest game of the week, oh, and boy. they want it as close as they can to prime time. All right, Steve, uh, have a great weekend. We will talk to you again on a Monday morning. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks. And uh, every Wednesday, Steve and I do the Mixed Picks podcast on Rad TV at members.radradio.com. Listen or watch live, and then it stays up there forever after that on the membership site. If you want to see our pigskin picks, on bitches. Cheats bitches. they're up at radradio.com. We're going to play Master of Movies right now. we got a $100 Visa gift card for you. We'll give you a hint, play a movie clip. You have to give us the title of the movie, and you win. Call the 18 guesses first, then 19, then 20. And if nobody knows the movie, <laughs> droplets everywhere and no winner. We need a winner. 888-989-9811 for Master of Movies. Rob, anybody. anybody. And Dawn, the Rob, anybody, and Dawn show.